0: Welcome to Curious Coworkers, a responsibly different talk show that explores those moments when our interests conflict with our values. We have a super special episode for you today. Now, if you haven't yet seen Barbie... First off, we highly recommend that you do, and we highly recommend that you do it before you listen to this episode, as this episode is going to be chock full of spoilers. And in case you're like me, and you start listening to a podcast just as you settle into an activity like driving or washing dishes, I'm going to tell you a bit more about how this episode came to be, and our guests, Celine Miranda and Tara Jenkins, to give you some time to stop this episode if you haven't yet seen the movie. So last week, Brittany attended a local 1% for the Planet event here in Portland, Maine. 1% for the Planet is a global movement where businesses commit to donating 1% of their annual revenue to environmental causes and initiatives. Think of it like a corporate tax for the environment. Behind it is the 1% for the Planet nonprofit that reviews and certifies those corporate donations and creates learning and connection opportunities for businesses. At that 1% for the Planet event, Brittany ran into two of our good friends, 1% for the Planet's account manager for Eastern North America, Celine Miranda, and Tara Jenkins, the CEO and founder of Conscious Revolution, a certified B Corp and 1% for the Planet member that helps businesses deepen their commitment to purpose and stakeholder value. The three of them got to chatting about Barbie and the conversation was so rich, we wanted to continue it here on Curious Coworkers. We hope you enjoy our conversation about one of this summer's biggest hits and its implications for each of us and our society. So let's jump in. So to kind of kick us off here, friends, uh, first off, super excited for this conversation. Um, but to kind of like set set the stage here for each of us and kind of like what we're bringing to the table, I would just be curious for us each to share kind of what did Barbie mean to you before seeing the movie? And did you have any expectations? Tara, you want to kick us off?
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. So I'd say Barbie is quite nostalgic to me um, before seeing the movie. And in a way of like confusing in in terms of uh, as I was uh, thinking about it and looking at my old Barbie stuff, which I thankfully still have, and seeing like it all laid out of, of the messages of like, I had so many things like for the kitchen at the same time that I had like so many glamorous outfits for my, you know, night events (laughs) Um, as Barbie. And I played with Barbies a lot when I was uh, younger and I did have the whole dream house set up. So the nostalgic piece comes from like, I played with Barbies a lot and kind of like imagined things, but I think I imagined things in a very contrived way of what Mattel was feeding to. and so, I had a lot of suspicion about Barbie, I guess, is how I would leave that before the movie.
2: I don't have that many particular memories of playing with Barbies growing up. It was not one of my most played with toys that I think of my childhood. The few memories I have of Barbie, my so my dad, so it was like me and my sister, and then my dad was single for a minute, my parents were divorced or whatever and i had this moment where it was like my sister and, I and my dad's house single father you know and i grabbed one of my barbies i was probably 6 and i was going to teach my dad how to braid hair because he didn't know and so i decided to show him how to braid hair on my barbie so that he could then braid my hair when i went to school in the morning and like that's like one of my earliest memories of barbie and then like the following memories then of me cutting off the Barbie's hair because I thought it was too perfect and I just let, went grabbed scissors went into the garage and like cut the hair and was then I wanted weird short-haired Barbie so like <laughs> those it was so funny thinking of like these are the like very vivid memories I had as a child of my experience with Barbie so I think going in the film I was more focused on like the nostalgia and of like I want to kind of get more connected to this Barbie land. I think it's going to activate more memories perhaps, but um, I was more going in for just like an entertainment side of things, less of like real personal connection.
3: I can resonate with you, Celine, because I would say from my childhood, early nineties, the thing for me with Barbie was the nostalgic Mm -hmm. value that Barbie had for me. It taught me at such this like young childhood development age that I need to imagine this like made up world for my toys to be a part of. So I always like I viewed Barbie as this way to like create an outside world that maybe Mm -hmm. I wanted my life to look like. And a lot of that outside world, Barbie gave me this idea of empowerment. And I don't think I'm alone in thinking this, but maybe I'm the only one here in thinking this, which is why I love conversations with multiple people because we all have diverse backgrounds but Barbie always like was this polished character that like embodied empowerment to me so it like one it taught me that I always had to be polished Mm, not true and then (laughs) two it always told me that like I can like have these like ambitions of being powerful but like over the years Barbie also taught me that like I could push myself to always dream big and pursue my passions. So I do think of Barbie in this like childhood
1: nostalgic way that like developed me into like the empowered mm-hmm. person I am mm-hmm. today. Well, that's so interesting to hear, Brittany, really, because it's so different than how I would describe it. And it makes me curious about like, if we were to do our own long-term Barbie study, which I'm not suggesting we you're going to do, but would be fun. Um, Like the, my timeline would have been like, early 80s Mm -hmm. and your timeline's in the 90s and what what would have happened with Barbie during that time would have changed because culturally things were changing too uh and so I don't I don't know if I had had the same time frame as you that I would have gotten maybe a similar message I certainly hope so um but that's really interesting to think about it was completely different for me
2: yeah I'll also share I think another memory I had with Barbie I was in, I believe, third grade going over to my friend's house to play. And his mom, I kid you not, in the living room, two full armoirs full of Barbies in their original packaging, like all the different Barbies and collection items. And for a child, I was sitting there being like, this is an adult woman. Why does she have a full collection of Barbies in boxes behind a glass case like that's not what they're made for why are we not playing with them I don't get it and I was too young to understand like the potential significance for a woman of her age and like collecting it and what Barbie might have represented for her growing up but like I do have that memory of like going into the house and being like this is so weird why are they in boxes and behind this glass case so that that kind of made me think about what you just said too of a long long-term Barbie study. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: That's amazing. I, I remember so I actually had a quite a few Barbies and my grandfather made me this like epic Barbie because for listeners that aren't aren't familiar, I'm a trans guy. So, you know, grew up as a um young woman, if you would. Uh and had like my grandfather made me this like epic Barbie house. So that's like all I all I can think of is like that this like epic Barbie house that he built me um and i couldn't tell you any of the like professions or the like things that barbie had or any of that stuff i remember the pink car and i remember just like playing almost every day with barbies with my friends and but i also was always like really drawn to like this is really kind of ironic given this movie um but like the ken dolls like i just was like i just really and i maybe that's also part of my like transness right that like i identified more with the <laughs> the male dolls than with with barbie um, but it just was interesting cause I just never, like, I never found Barbie to be relatable. And I don't know if that's the era that I was, you know, cause this would have been late eighties, early nineties, um, that I was playing with them in, or if it was, or, or if it was just me, <laughs> you know? Um, but so it's, it's interesting how Barbie certainly touches all of our lives in like totally different ways. Um, so with that, let's jump into the movie. Like, First thoughts, hot takes, like what what came up for folks?
1: Well, I'll start at maybe the beginning of the movie, because it, it was at the beginning. I, I had a little bit of a like mind shift at the beginning in thinking about Barbie's value of how they were describing Ruth,
0: who you
1: know founded Barbie or or created Barbie. I think at this point saying like there this girls played with dolls. And, you know, this, the, they do that amazing you know, smashing scene and all that. But at, in that moment, I was like, oh, yeah, like I didn't play with dolls. I, I didn't play the role model of a mother in, in most of my playing. I did have Cabbage Patch Kids, which is probably a whole nother podcast. <laughs> to have, But pod, I did have Cabbage Patch Kids for a little period of time. But but more of my playing for sure was Barbie. Um, and so the thing to, I, I just like was like, oh, that really is quite a feminist message. It was, I think, corrupted in a lot of ways, by the, the people that were leading it. I would tell, But in, at its core, it was a feminist message of like, you can be, like going back to what Brittany's saying, like the empowerment piece was maybe what Ruth had in mind. Um, and so that was my first like, oh, right off the bat, I got like, hmm, this is something <laughs> that I'm getting from this than I expected, so I have a hot
3: take, and it kind of goes into like what Ben was saying. um but you brought up Ken. can I just say like I don't remember Alan from like quote unquote like real life like I don't remember Alan ever being <laughs> a a doll, and like is that the whole point of the movie to be like Alan was a forgotten character like
1: yeah, I think I think you're right that most people probably didn't. Remember Alan? Um, I, when he was mentioned, I kind of remembered him, but but I, I never had him or played with him or he was like pretty irrelevant. <laughs> okay. And then my other kind of hot take
3: is, and maybe this podcast will help me like work through my feelings. And by the end, I can say that I did like the movie, but right now I'm kind of going to say I actually didn't love the movie, but... The reason why I didn't love it, and I think like the butt is really important here. I didn't love the movie because, well, one, I don't like going to the movie theaters. So the fact that I had to go into a theater and like sit near people, like I hate people. Like, so that was hard for me to get over. But I didn't love the movie because traditional movies for me are like an escape from reality. It's like where I go to get out of my head, how I relax. And... Barbie was the exact opposite of that. Like Barbie made me think. Barbie made me like sit in my seat and be uncomfortable. And the whole time I was like seriously relating to every little bit of it. And I was like, this is making me so uncomfortable. Like I was having real childhood trauma coming back up in a movie. And that's why it's like, Without any context, like, I feel very confident saying I did not like that movie, but I didn't like that movie because it challenged me to think deeper about my past in ways that, like, a therapist would make me, like, <laughs> be like, oh, well, why is that? So Barbie's my therapist. <laughs> my God, I love that. Um,
2: so I will say I've now seen the movie twice, and I still love it. like I I really do I really I really loved it I thought it was fun I mean give me some existential crisis and a bit of glitter and a and like choreography and I'm I'm happy I'm so happy (laughs) like I was here for every bit of what Greta Gerwig was giving us in the Outlandish, the color, the surrealism, the op- the over the topness. I was like, give it to me. I'm a theater girl. Like I've done theater production, so like this is maybe really speaking to me. And like I loved having so many of the conversations I have in normal life delivered to me in a platform and through a media that I'm like I've been in this. This is where I thrive. So I loved being kind of separate from you, Brittany. Where it's like you didn't enjoy having those conversations brought to you, I was like, I love having it delivered to me in a media that I understand and like making it fun and funny. And so it just felt like then it became less serious and less daunting. And I can like, kind of break
1: it down a little bit more. So I, I did love it. Yeah. I'll say uh, ditto to everything you just said, Celine, like for me, I have also seen it twice. <laughs> um, and I feel this, same way and I really wanted to be critical of it in some way. <laughs> and so I like went and read a whole bunch of things and like tried to find a way that I could be like critical of it. And I really like can't find it. Sorry, I, I just can't. I like the people that were critical of it, I was like, no, that's pretty lame. Like I'm not like that's not convincing me of anything. Um and I think the combination I'm a theater wannabe. I certainly never did it, but I love all of that. And I think it is incredibly strategic. Mm. Totally. Of mm. totally. Like and we, I rarely see that on a progressive liberal side. And so that, that part is like amazing to me. Like what could be done with this type of plan? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is really interesting.
0: Yeah. I love it. And, and I feel like too, speaking, like kind of building on that, the production value, like just the the thoughtfulness, like the fact that so much of that movie could have, could have been CGI, and literally there's none in the whole thing. Like the whole none. thing is like handmade sets. And like, I, I mean, it just, there's so, like just from a production value alone, it just was like a mind blowing experience. And the, you know, and I'm, and I won't claim to be like a cinephile, but I, any stretch of the imagination and like similarly similar to you Tara, like I definitely want to, on a binge, like immediately after the movie, I was like, I have to like, hear every interview. I, like, I want to like dissect the crud out of this, like just, you know, all the things. And then you start to, you know, learn about all of the like film references that are built into this. And then it's like, oh, like it just is so well done in such a like kind of beautiful way. I think for me, the first thing that really like, kind of the like, oh, okay. Like a buckle up moment for me of this movie was like right after that opening scene when we're getting that tour of, of, of Barbie land. And we meet the 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 Supreme Court justices there. And, and we were talking about this just as you were hopping on, her, because I couldn't – I really wanted to find the original quote because I wanted to, like, recite it here, but I, I couldn't find it. Um, but they essentially reference, like, Citizens United and how messed up it is that, like, corporations shouldn't have freedom of speech, like, in our politics. And, like, I, I don't know. It just was um, – I, that I mean, I I from like that's an issue for me that I just like is so like something I just care so deeply about, and so for them to like hit us with it, like right out the gate and like, you know, I don't know that just really was um, impressive, and then of course, uh, America Ferrera's uh, monologue there at the end was so, so powerful. I, I it made me wish I had seen because we just saw it Brittany and I just like yesterday with celine and it was my first time seeing it and it made me and celine you had mentioned that when you saw it i I think you you said like during the opening week or opening day opening weekend yeah opening weekend that like the entire audience like stood and applauded and i like that's something i just love moments like that and i it makes me wish i saw this like opening weekend because it literally was like okay cool you could just end the movie there you know what I mean like mic drop done cool like like for me there was just there was there, there were these pieces of it that were uh, like cathartic just to like we're like oh thank god someone's saying it <laughs> you know what I mean and I know like millions of people are seeing this because maybe not everybody watches the news or is tuned in but like seems like everyone's gonna show up to Barbie so you know it just um there was one thing that was I that I you know which I would be curious to get folks thoughts on but Um, the thing I struggled a little bit with, I was like, I don't know how I feel, but like in the end, how essentially they plot to distract and divide the Kens amongst themselves. Right. Like that's like, we've literally seen that in history so many times and like we're living it now. And like, it's such a classic political, uh, move, um, that for me, I kind of was like, I don't know. I feel so conflicted about it even now talking about it. Cause I'm like, well, yeah, it makes sense that it's in there because it's like pointing out like this thing that we do as humans or as a society. And but at the same time, I kind of didn't want it because I was in, you know, we're coming off of this like amazing um, you know, moment with America Ferreira. And I, I just wanted to like bask in that a little bit before going right back into like our like actual reality, <laughs> which is what that felt like for me. So yeah, I don't know. I yeah, there's I don't know. So I, I enjoyed it overall. Uh, I, it's the kind of movie I feel like I want to watch again and again and again because there's just so much. There's just so much in there. I can see why both Utah and Selene, have, have seen it twice. Are there any moments that stood out to you as like really poignant?
1: Well, I was bawling on the America Ferrera one the first time. So I'll say that for sure. Um, what I was reflecting on, maybe it's not like one moment, but I, I definitely have never seen a movie where the word patriarchy was spoken out loud and to me that is really significant um my kids have only probably ever heard me say the word patriarch. and then they saw it said in a movie that's being like said it like validated that like i'm not making (laughs) stuff up like it's a thing (laughs) um Because they always say, oh, that's mom, and she's off on her tear of all the things that are, you know, like that we need to be aware of to be, you know, good, good humans. I'm trying to raise good humans, and particularly a good human son. And so that part is just like, was astounding to me, the amount of times that that was mentioned. Um, And that made me think about like, what opportunities it really gives us to continue the conversation about it.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, There are so many moments. I'm going to call out one in particular that I noticed the first time I watched it, I didn't like, kind of just like wash through it. Second time I was like, Oh, interesting. Um, And so it's the moment where Barbie's returned to Barbie land. She goes to her dream house. The Kens are taking over and she goes to Ken. she's like, you can't just take something that we have worked so hard to build and tear it down in one day. And he's like, literally, no, figuratively figuratively, and literally, watch me. And I had this moment of like, wait a minute. I had that exact thought this year with Roe versus Wade. Mm. And I was like, with, you know, 2016 election, January 6th insurrection. And I was like, whew all right, we got deep there. And that kind of made me kind of reflect a little bit more on the moment in our history that we're living at that can change in one day. Hmm.
3: You just...
2: Sorry to turn the tables on that, but (laughs) that one got me. (laughs) That one got me.
3: Yeah. It's interesting that you say like you had to watch it a second time to pick up on that because... I did pick up on that. I didn't think as deeply as you did about it, but I did pick up on that my first time seeing it. And it is making me wonder, like, what did I even not catch my first time watching it? Because there are so many things hidden within this one movie. Mm -hmm. The one that stood out to me was when they played Push by Matchbox 20. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm here for this song. Like, I want to sing along. Like... That song was my childhood. Like I remember, you know, I'm sitting in the car, first time driving by myself and my friends are in the backseat and we're like screaming this song. Like we loved this song. And then I'm like, oh, why are they playing this song right now in this movie? And then I'm like, oh my God, listen to the words of this song. And it's like, how as a child, did my mother and not even just my mother. I mean, why did radio stations play this song? Why did people let young women sing this song, hear this song? And it just makes me go like, what are the other crazy things that I didn't take the time to absorb that were just around me that I wasn't really paying attention to, but I was listening to, or I was seeing that like changed how I acted as a human. I mean, like, She said, I don't know if I ever have been good enough. Like, that's a horrible line from this song. I wanna push you around, I will, I will. I wanna push you down, I will, I will. I wanna take you for granted, I will. Like, no. No wonder why every single boy on the playground in elementary school is pushing the little girls around. Like, no wonder why the girl is like, on the ground crying and she doesn't feel good enough. Like this was the song that as a child, I screamed at the top of my lungs in like every day lived by. Like that's the moment that stood out to me because it took me X amount of years, pretend like I put my age in there. I don't want the world knowing how old I am, but like it took me (laughs) X amount of years to figure out that society is the way society is because of songs art culture like no wonder why we're messed up mm-hmm. thank you for
1: saying that because I actually had a similar I didn't I don't think because of our different ages I am 48 <laughs> um so we I think we have quite a different age gap I don't know what your age is ready but um I didn't. That wasn't a part of my childhood. That song, but I heard that song all the time. I would sing along to the song, like a similar like experience around that. And when they started playing it, and I, I had the same thing. Like, oh my God, that's the lyrics of that song, and I, and how insidious this all is. That we can be playing and perpetuating it, complete, even though that is not aligned with our values, <laughs> and have it be pointed out in such a ridiculous way of how they displayed that song in the movie. Um, and Ben, what you were saying is really interesting. I love that you were thinking about it in that way. Cause that's so, I didn't think about it, but I, I really resonated with what you're saying, but that that's the language and that that's everywhere. And so pervasive and such conditioning that, you know, women and girls would be singing that song and saying, I love this song. Like that's like true, like corruption, <laughs> corruption of the mind incredible Mm. incredible in all the wrong
3: ways though you know it's like for sure it well and that's what I mean when like I say I sat there watching this movie and I was so incredibly uncomfortable because that's the moment that like sure that's the one moment of so many moments that stood out to me but so many other things like oh, I'm forgetting the scene, but, like, the scene where they're, like, oh, go watch The Godfather, or however that, that scene played out, but, like, <laughs> I have never seen The Godfather, nor will I ever see The Godfather, and stop telling me to go watch The Godfather.
1: Like, <laughs> <laughs> those were the funniest scenes where it was, like, all such stereotypical truth. But,
3: like, okay, yeah, I even, I sit here now, I sat in the movie, and, like, Sure, that was the one part of the movie where I actually laughed out loud, but I laughed out loud because of the deep-rooted uncomfortableness that I'm dealing with as it personally relates to people telling me to go watch The Godfather. So it's like, sure, in some people's humor, that movie was funny. To me, that movie was like deep and gut-wrenching and so invasive. And it's like, how do you know what I'm feeling? Because like they nailed it. And like, I'm going to need to sit with my feelings for a lot longer than like (laughs) 12 hours.
0: That's super real. Um, Building on that, what, you know, many of us, you know, are here in, in the working in the realm of using business as a force for good. And, and, um, Supporting conscious consumers. What does this mean for brands and conscious consumers? Like, what is like? Do we feel like this movie changes anything, or or um, is saying? And and what are going to be some of the lessons that brands are going to be paying attention to?
2: Well, I read an article that Gap is already trying to get in touch with Mattel CEO to be like, "Y'all just rebranded. How do we do that?" (laughs) (laughs)
1: Like, you know, um, yeah. If you have to ask another company. You're in trouble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a great question. Ben.
0: And and it's interesting, too, I'll say. So I I as I mentioned earlier, I binged a bunch of like interviews and um about the about the the directors and the cast after afterwards. And something that kept coming up in a, in a lot of them that both Margot Robbie, who was the producer and and Margot sought out Greta Gerwig to, mm-hmm. to direct and write um, something that they both echoed a lot was that. They, it wasn't like Mattel was like, sure, do whatever you want, <laughs> you know. That like they had a lot of battles with Mattel. Like there were a lot of times where, um, th- you know, they kind of had to like go around and around with Mattel. And in one of the interviews, and I'll and I'll make sure to to dig some of these up and put them in the in the links of the show notes for folks who want to check it out. Uh, but in one of the interviews, the the interviewer asked, you know, was there one or two, like, was there ever a moment that you thought, oh, this film's not going to get made, and. What both Greta and Margot kind of shared was that like there were so many moments that that's probably why the movie got made. Because if it had been just like two or three things that like they could have focused on that and shut it down for those reasons. But like at every stop, like there was just so many things, so many objections that at some point it just was like you just pick your battle of the day and you keep trucking. And so I just thought that that was really interesting because they, they, you know, so much of it too is also like poking fun at Mattel and like calling out the real history that, I mean, here, here they are, you know, Barbie is one of their lead products, if you will. It's a toy for presumably like girls or folks that identify like in that kind of feminine lens. Right. And it's run by men and historic. And for the most part has been with the exception of, I think like three, female CEOs that it doesn't seem like any of them except for um, the original uh, founder was, was there as a woman CEO for more than like two years. So it it, it really kind of, and, and they touch on that in the like, they don't shy away from any of the, the ugly bits underneath, which I think is part of what makes it work. Right. Cause otherwise we'd probably be sitting here criticizing how like, Oh yeah. Well, they're so hypocritical. You know what I mean? But like, I don't <laughs> you you're
2: correct. I don't think the film, and I'm, I'm going to give Mattel a little bit of maybe some insight. I don't think they knew it would be this successful if they didn't address fully and authentically the elephant in the room with Barbie mm-hmm. and the history. Like you can't make this production without really emphasizing and bringing words to the criticisms, the actual criticisms. And the 30 years of, of history within the feminist movement, the last 30 years, like, and how Barbie has impacted that and all of those arguments, you know, if you're going to make a Barbie movie and you want to make it authentic and you want to and authentically rebrand, you need to address the real issues happening here. And I thought that was what um, the scene where Barbie's visiting the four girls at the middle school and she's like, "Oh, Sasha's about to lay it down." That was the moment for me when it was like, "We're about to tell you what's up, you know, and why we don't like you, and what you represent to us in this moment." And I, I'm not, I'm going to be honest. I was excited and surprised that that full dialogue was allowed to be in the film, mm. like when she straight up called her a fascist. Like I was like. They said yes to that. Okay, <laughs> we're going to address that. <laughs> you know, but like they that that was part of the character build. That was part of telling that story. Was like really calling them out, and I think it made the strategy stronger because of that. Because they were showing like, all right, we we see this history. It's here. We're not mm-hmm. hiding it away in this movie. Here, here's
1: all the arguments. Well, you just made me remember, Salie, that one of the um, scenes after that was this Barbie crying on the sidewalk and saying, I don't control the railroad"? (laughs) I don't (laughs) know. So funny. I love your question, Ben. I've been really sitting here thinking about it and I don't think I have a really good answer other than there's a danger. I think that we could make too much of this Mm. also. Mm. Um, I think it's a ripple in a really, really, really big (laughs) ocean of like and a really good ripple, like really interesting because it's entering into such mainstream conversation with different language and different recognition in a very like tongue in cheek way and also a way that I think at the end, one of the things I think they did really masterfully is like not shame or blame necessarily anybody other than like. The Mattel like men who they you know were the butt of the joke the whole time, which was beautiful and very <laughs> funny. But but like you know, Ken, the message to Ken is like you need to find yourself, and mm. and that's the message to everybody. And like I thought they did that really nicely, and I hope that people individually take a message from that. Mm. Um, I I we I think we all know like Mattel is doing this because there is capitalism (laughs) deeply involved and, and consumerism deeply involved and and they're launching like a whole new line of movies that apparently we're going to now continuously be um, bombarded with. So, so like keeping in mind that there was that reason, but to me, that's kind of the, the interesting thing is that that capitalistic reason of we need to rebrand and figure out how to make ourselves more relevant, which is the case for a lot of companies. If they could think about, to your point, Celine, that the company's gap is calling, saying like, how did you do this? If they could think about that in a way that is more the world we want to be or recognizing the world we are, Mm -hmm. and we saw more and more companies doing that and realizing it could be successful, that could be actually really like change something. Um, That could be the the companies for the greater good scenario. The one thing
3: that I will add into what you're saying, though, Tara, is companies have to do it authentically, too. And so that's where, funny, cool, that Gap reached out to Mattel. But at the same time, to me, like, how Mattel did it is not how Gap can do it. And, like, to some degree, Mattel is laying the groundwork for hopefully many groups to follow. But nobody else... You, I mean, not every single company in the world should just go out and make a bo- a movie about <laughs> lifestyle of Barbie, you know, like, so there's that. Um, I also like don't want to just brush right over this, but like, can we pause and talk about the moment when Ken goes up to the worker man in the lobby of the business and says, I want a job? And what was the guy's response? Like, I- I'm going to I'm going to
1: say it wrong if I even try. Well, he said, do you have an MBA? Do you have a, a degree thing? And then the thing that you might be referring to, which is another really memorable moment from my perspective is he says, Oh, so, you know, things aren't going that well with the patriarchy then. Cause he's saying like, Oh, I have requirements that right. I need to meet. And what's the deal? Like I'm supposed to be a white dude and you're going to give me whatever I'm supposed to have. Um, <laughs> and the guy says, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, it's still, it's still working. We're just better at hiding it. Right. That's what it was. <laughs> like. Bam! Like the truth. I think that the truth was in there so much. Like that could be the thing that we want people to take away <laughs> as a message. Like Gap, figure out what your truth is, mm. and just tell it, yeah. or whatever company. Because we are always evading the truth, no matter what. I think, as a white population, what if we realize that that is actually killing us?
3: <laughs> Continue. Mm.
1: Mm. Yeah,
3: I mean, there's so much from this movie that you can just watch five minutes and then dissect those five minutes, which is maybe why I might say that I'm starting, the more that I dissect the movie, I'm starting to appreciate it more. But again, like, can I call it documentary, not a movie? Because like, to me, documentaries are things where I sit down and learn. And a movie's where I go to
1: escape? Yes. yes. You can call it whatever you want to. Because that, that's true. <laughs> You're right. I'm, but I mean, I'm my own the own person. I can call whatever I want.
2: <laughs> there was a lot of thoughtful history and research done to create this script, right? They didn't just write it free mm-hmm. There was a lot of good research and really thoughtful plug and plays with antidotes and these witty jokes. So it was really well-researched, and I think it is a bit of history. It was showing a kind of timeline of history in a way.
0: And and cultural history, too. Again, like, so many movie references, and not even recent ones, but, like, from, like, the 40s and the 50s. Like, there's just so much be- – like, just, like, even taking the content aside, just so much beautiful cinema
2: mm-hmm.
0: in, this, in this, too, that, um, yeah, feels – important. It'll be really interesting to see. I imagine they'll probably be up for a bunch of awards, Be interesting to see how they do.
3: I mean, I'll, I'll give Grease Lightning the shout out that I feel like it deserves. I was there (laughs) when Danny Zukas came on the screen and I was like, oh yeah.
0: (laughs) I want one thing too, that I want to kind of building a little bit on what you were saying, Tara, about like the truth and authenticity piece. I feel like that's so important. And I, and, and I think that 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 resonant, I think that that's absolutely true for brands, and and I think we're seeing where brands like aren't doing that so well, um, you know, and that it becomes very apparent and tends to blow up in their face. And I think that's why like sometimes brands are scared to do things like this because it blows up. But we we see when folks do it authentically and through the lens of truth, it's relatable and it like hits people in a real honest way. I mean, I think it. You know, even though. Uh, there were differences in experience for all four of us. It sounds like it, it touched us all in meaningful ways for, for, for better or worse. Right. Um, and so I think that there's definitely something to that. I want to talk about Ken really quick and the, and, and how, how we close with where we leave Ken. Right. Is this, mo- cause there's a lot of Ken too, that like, there, there's like, I feel like we could, we could probably do a whole other episode just dissecting Ken. Um, and, <laughs> All of that and his his being an accessory and all of these things, and in the end, it's like can you have to go find yourself and who you are, and like right, and that that, and that, that ends up being kind of a universal message. And I think Tara, you mentioned this already. Like you brought that up that like that is kind of the universal message that regardless of your your gender or your like life experience, that like what you have to take a hard look in the mirror and. Find who you are and not as it relates to a person, a job, a place, but for yourself. And I thought that that was really powerful. Uh, so my big question, which I, I feel like isn't really a question because we've already kind of addressed it, but I'm going to say anyway. Would we say this is a feminist film and what does the film accomplish in that realm?
1: Oh, such a good question. I have I mean, I would lean more. Yes. In particular, because of what I was mentioning before around the amount of exposure, let's say, to think, to talking about the patriarchy, which has um, mm. created the need for us thinking about feminism. Um, so it's almost like a root cause analysis in a way, in a, in a much different way. But there, there and, and there's certainly like lots of moments where when Barbie land is taken back and they're like reorganizing, that they do that in a, a slightly different Way I remember that scene where they're you know lining up and saying, Well, now that Barbie land was back and the Supreme Court and the president was in place, um, they're saying, Can I have a position on the Supreme Court? And she says, No, 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 like I'm not going that far. You can have like a lower court position. Uh and it was like emulating what's happening for women now for the most part, is like, you no, know, you don't get the the real powerful positions, you just get like the one, the ones down. So in, in that way, when I think about feminism as being equal rights for all, I think we still have some more thinking to do as a society about what that really means and how we can really be unified, because we tend to, your earlier point, Ben, re- regurgitate like, the same thinking and systems that cause the oppression onto the next group. And I think they do talk about that a little bit in the film. Um, I, I feel like I got some of that messaging, but I think we all need to be thinking about what is this different version of feminism that we think about is that is relevant for today that really allows everyone to feel like they're in a in a healthy place for themselves, you know, reflective of themselves and that we can all like have our own self-determination. And I think some of that gets Messy when you're thinking about feminism and patriarchy and all the isms. And I hope that we're free from that sometime in my lifetime. (laughs) All of
3: it. I have a quick, small thing to add. And I think my addition will just be that I do think that this film challenged the traditional gender roles that we see in society. And that, to me, in part makes it a feminist film
2: I don't think I saw the film as being designed as a feminist film I don't think that was its purpose I think it could be it's one of those things where it's like it could be categorized that could be part of its identity maybe one of its titles but I don't think the purpose and the sole agenda was to be a feminist film in part because of what you said Tara it's almost like feminism. There is so much connotation around that word. And there's so much connotation around this film, right? But it's like, do we, if we label it as that one word, are we going to lose any of the subtext and all of the other conversations that the film also brings to light that are really important too?
1: Yeah, that's a really important point I hadn't thought of or considered is that it would be really important not to talk about it as that.
2: Because is that siloed out from specific audience members or from people engaging in the conversation? I think it was, in my understanding, the film was trying to create a dialogue and a, and, a, and a space that welcomed everyone in to participate without, like, a very obvious agenda of, like, there's sparkle, there's pink, it's nostalgia, Ken is dancing, we are all enough, let's just have a good time without coming in with all of our pre-existing biases or pre-existing, like, political theories or, or opinions and objectives. But let's just sit and have a conversation in what feels like a potentially safe space. And then that brings everyone into the conversation, regardless of how you identify gender, sexuality, you know, political party, age race just let's just sit and have a good time watch this film and if it sparks conversations within your community that's great
3: to those of you that have done maybe some research after watching the film which I don't do research if you know me so I'm not in that group but as i understand barbie didn't the the marketing team of this film barbie didn't advertise the film as how it was going to make people feel. And I'm wondering to some degree, like they must've done that on purpose. And like to the point that Celine was just making, I didn't walk into this film knowing that I was going to sit down and walk out having, having all of these like hard, strong conversations and feelings. And it makes me think that Barbie did that on purpose. And I guess I want to be like, why?
0: Well and it's interesting too cuz I feel like there's a uh you know there's there's the marketing engine that is behind this movie and and pushing it out and like ticket sales and then there is also the like creative mind and vision of Greta and Margot and those two and the the goals of those two entities I mean while well, of course Margot and Greta want to do well at the box office too I'm sure right like let's not you know We don't have to like pretend, but like, and there's a, there's a, there's potentially some places where they differ. I would imagine. I don't know. I'm speculating. I don't know.
2: No, I would, I would say, and a lot of times too, if we're going back to conscious consumerism, sometimes a brand is very much driven by what is marketable and they may market themselves Mm -hmm. in a certain way that isn't always authentic or true to the company itself. Mm. And, and I think uh, Tara, you can, you can share with me. I really resonate with brands when I feel like there is an authentic marketing that's actually revealing the truth and the values of that company. That's what speaks to me.
1: For sure. Yeah. And I I think in my work with clients, because many of the clients that I work with, are trying to figure out how to get to that point, not necessarily for a marketing standpoint, but for actually to be able to figure out like, what are we doing here together? (laughs) Why do we exist? Like, and what values do we apply in order to make this all happen? Um, That there, it's actually really hard to do that. And so the, The reason why we don't have, I I have to remind my clients of that all the time to say, like, there's a reason why you are in a, in a class, like a small class of organizations that are doing this or leaders that are doing this is like, this takes a lot of self-reflection and time and thinking. And we're not, we're not conditioned to do that, particularly in a business environment. And so that, that's, I think the unique piece that may have happened that maybe, (laughs) maybe Greta and Marco, like, Facilitated quite a bit from what you're sharing of, the, of that part of the story because I hadn't read about that and it's intriguing me. Um, but facilitated a little bit. They, they took them through a process of having to do a little of that, which may not have happened otherwise. But what you were saying, Brittany, is so really important because I don't actually know how this was marketed either. I just knew that it was everywhere. There wasn't that I saw like anything around like, here's what you're going to take away or like any messaging around like, you know, when. When trailers are leading you in a particular direction, it was just more like it's Barbie, and so show up, and so I did. And then I was like, "What the what the hell is this?" <laughs> I mean, I do
2: remember the first trailer that they released, right? And it's it's the moment where Margot's stepping out of her shoes and she's barefoot, and you realize that she's on her heels, right? That was like the first clip of the film that I saw was her stepping out of her heels. And everyone was like, they did like, that was like such a great scene because here she is really embodying Barbie who has only lifted heels. She's stepping out of her shoes and her heels are lifted. So she's wearing heels with lifted feet. Like that's Barbie. And everyone was like, oh my gosh, this is is great.
1: Yeah, and that's such like an innocuous like, Uh, innocent part of the movie comparatively (laughs) but we were all already in, like oh my god they're like showing that she can't put her feet down
2: (laughs) but (laughs) then it becomes like a big part of the film right because that flat feet was what set off her whole agenda was like oh my gosh flat feet means that I'm having an existential crisis and I need to figure this out
1: well and then that ending scene right before, well, I won't in case people, but there, there is another reference to it at the end. <laughs> this, whole, where... this whole podcast
3: is a spoiler. Oh, true. <laughs> <laughs> made it this far and they've never seen the movie.
1: Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, but she, she gets out of the car to go into what I think they are trying to make because I thought it was like a job interview. But she's going in, and she has her pink Birkenstocks on, like the most flat footed shoe <laughs> you could have. And it's like another reference right from the beginning of the film to the end of like the feet and the symbolism of the feet. And then she goes on and it's a gynecology appointment. That's so funny. I, it's just so funny.
3: But like, what a way to, again, like end the film because it was like, I, even though the entire movie was hard, gut-wrenching, challenging, harder than a therapist appointment. (laughs) Like I ended the movie laughing that to me was like probably the funniest scene of the whole movie like funny funny like i'm actually laughing because i think it's funny not laughing because i'm awkward and that to me was like okay the movie was good it was worth it and like to my whole thing like yes i will absolutely recommend this movie to everybody that i know whether you agree with my values or you don't agree with my values because watching this movie is going to challenge the way that you think. And I would love to have a conversation with you after you've seen it and you have like had these deep thoughts. But like the same way that I walked into this movie, having really no idea what I'm walking into, I kind of did think I was walking into like sparkles and dance parties the whole time. And I was like, wait, why am I going and watching this movie? I'm not a girly girl. I don't like sparkles. I think I'm going to refrain from telling people what they're walking into until they have seen it. And then like, then let's debrief the whole thing. So
1: what about everybody else? Are we recommending this to friends or are we like, no, stay far away? (laughs) 100% agree with you at recommending to everybody I know. But I really like the wisdom of what you just shared of like, just letting it be like, You should see it. I'm I'm making my sister come with me because I can control her a little bit. Um, (laughs) She's my younger sister Um, (laughs) over the weekend because we happen to be getting together with our kids. And I'm making my two nephews come, and so I'm going to see it a third time, and my kids are too this weekend because I actually am afraid she will not see it if I don't go with her, and my nephews won't either. And I want to have that conversation afterwards just to like see what's particularly emerging for my nephews, but but you're so right to just let it be like, it's super fun and cool. Like we should all go see it together and then see what emerges afterwards rather than you know plugging anything in to kind of make it a bummer. <laughs> if like anything I would say would kind of make it a bummer before they go in. And, and that's not at all what the feeling of the movie is or was for me. Um, and so let them have their own experience of whatever it is, which could vary
0: a lot. I would highly recommend too i do have to say one thing that i absolutely love that like literally made me laugh out loud was speaking of the the shoes moment where there's a moment where she's like flat-footed barbie and she's like god if i had flat feet i would never wear heels and i like i just love that so much because even like like pre-transition like i could like heels were i could not i just could not (laughs)
1: The amount of little one liners like that one that you just pointed to. I, I don't know if anyone has thought of this, you probably have, but I was like, I want a transcript of the whole movie.
2: And I, I look for one. Highlight <laughs>
1: the things and then like put it in my signature line on my email. <laughs> this is Barbie Ken. <laughs> it's so fun.
0: What? If you find a transcript, let me know. I went hunting for one and couldn't find okay, it. Okay, so I
1: wasn't the only one that had the idea. I'm with you. I didn't you. hunt yet, though, so that's you're one step ahead of me. But I, if I find it, I'll let you know. You do the same, please.
0: Oh, my gosh. Thank you all so much. Any final thoughts?
1: We are all Ken enough.
3: <laughs> we are all Ken enough.
1: We're all Ken enough. That's a wonderful <laughs> final thought. I just want to say I appreciate that, the opportunity to have the conversation and... And the diversity of thought that you mentioned, Brittany, earlier of experience and just like having a chance to talk about that in a in a time that was set aside, because I, I think about it like that doesn't happen. Even with my kids, we've both seen it. all seen it twice and we haven't really spent a conversation talking about it. And so it's motivating me to like think about how that has to be a part of the experience.
0: And there is so much more in this movie to discuss. We chatted with Tara and Celine for an hour and we all agreed we easily could have continued for another hour. I know even after our conversation, I had so many more thoughts about this movie, the symbolism in it and questions as well. So I did some more research and wrote a blog post about it. If you're as interested in Barbie and this moment in time as we are, I highly recommend you check it out. Also, we've had both Celine and Tara on Responsibly Different before. Celine was on with us sharing about 1% for the planet and Tara was on explaining the difference between B Corp certification and benefit corporations. We'll link to both of those episodes for you in the show notes, along with a link to the blog post, which is also where you'll be able to find links to some of the articles referenced in this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you're enjoying this content, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or drop us a note through the website and share with us your thoughts. We would love to hear them especially about Barbie. What stood out for you in the film? Did you like it? What else do you wish we had talked about here that maybe we didn't touch on? Thank you again for tuning in. We appreciate you. Till next time, be responsibly different. No in the air, but I can't afford to get up there There's no railway near So I'll have to The long rounds there And I'm switching lanes